discuss the business of cybersecurity. Here are your co-hosts and cybersecurity experts, Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, and Randy Bryan. What's up, everyone? Welcome to our Security Squawk podcast. I am Brian Horning. We're here with Reginald Andre and Randy Bryan. Randy, you look very glitchy today. You're having internet issues. So if Randy just disappears, Randy's having internet issues. What the heck? So it's going to seem like you're you're AI generated and you're really not here. <laughs> yeah, I saw it too on my screen. I just I turned off um, the Mac Studio Light thing and it went away. So it has something to do with that. So all right, so. Today's show, guys, we're going to go into a little bit of a, a different, normally we, we like to talk about the trending things that are happening in cybersecurity and especially, you know, cyber attacks against businesses. Today, last episode of the year, um, we aren't doing one next week, right? Because we're all on vacation, right? Yeah. So uh, this will be our last episode of the year. We're going to go a little bit long today and we're going to change the format up a little bit to a little bit of a Q&A where we're going to pop up on the screen some questions that we've been asked uh, throughout the year. And we thought it would be a good idea to address some of those questions uh, on today's show and talk about um, what's going to happen in 2024. But before we do, remember the show is free. We don't bore you with ads. In exchange for that and this content and the education that we're giving everyone, we just ask that you help us grow the show by sharing our show. Um, that can be as simple as commenting on one of the videos that you see on social media. It could be as simple as you just clicking that share button when you see our videos to let your friends and family know that some worthwhile information exists around cybersecurity that you're not going to get through mainstream media. Um, because we need to bring awareness to this problem. Because as we know, 2023 was a record year for cyber criminals. And the trend line is not going to go in the other direction just because the year changes to 2024. The trend line is going to continue to increase. Businesses are going to continue to be attacked. And people's personal information is going to continue to be exposed to cyber criminals who will use that information for nefarious purposes. Things like identity theft, personal extortion on individuals are all things that we saw at the end of 2023. And 2024 is going to be a big year for cyber criminals figuring out ways they can monetize all the data that they stole in 2023. So remember, this is going to impact you not only at your workplace, but it's going to start impacting you personally. And it's our job and our mission to make sure that businesses understand what the threat is and what they can start doing to protect their businesses so consumers don't have to worry about their data being stolen and being misused if they do business with a certain company. Anything I missed there, guys? I always like to kind of look at statistics and um, yep. I just Googled, you know, crime rates and trends and I'm seeing violent crimes are down, property crimes are down year over year for the last 20 years, you know, murders, everything like that. But cyber is the only one that's way high and continue going year over year. Yeah, 100%. So, like I said, share the show. Don't be greedy. Don't consume this just for yourself and not let other people know about it. Help us with our mission of protecting all these people. 
share the show. All right, let's get into it, guys. Let's start throwing some questions up on the screen that we can start answering. At the bottom, uh, we have our banner. We're going to roll, uh, change up the ticker, and we're going to roll the questions that we're talking about so you kind of have a context as to what we're saying. Um, and I'm pulling questions out of a list that we have here from, from various uh, from various times and people across the Internet that have sent us information. Here's the first one we decided to pull out of the hat. And what we're going to do is kind of like a round robin answer question type of thing. Um, and uh, we'll all get input on these questions uh, so you can hear different perspectives from different cybersecurity business owners. So if my business suffers a cyber attack, what are the immediate steps I should take to mitigate the damage? And uh, Just who wants to go first? I'll go first. First thing you should do is disconnect the internet. Um, so if you have an, a physical office, go to that server room or bathroom, wherever your router is, and just unplug the internet. Um, and second thing you want to do is is contact your uh, IT provider, your 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 to let them know so that they can then um, you know start to open up the playbook that hopefully you know as well and help you through the process. Yeah, and I, I want to clarify. So Andre mentioned um, disconnecting from the internet. He didn't say pull the plug. And the the we should probably talk about this just for a second. Like, why not pull the plug? Um, we, I, and I'll say, if you pull the plug, one of the things that's going to happen is um, if there's any kind of residual left in memory, that's going to go away when you pull the plug. And so you 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 may potentially cause it to not be able um like an expert to come in and figure out exactly why it happened and that's one of the things in a mitigation you're going to want to know why it happened so you can pre prevent it from happening again so that's a very good point uh not 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 yanking the power but disconnecting the ethernet you know turning off the net the internet at the office what about other machines that aren't infected what do we do with those well, you don't know really if they're they're infected, right? Right. Or you just mean showing like showing the symptoms, like like another machine, for example. Yeah, like let's say I sh I show up at my office and like there's one workstation that's encrypted, but I also have four other workstations. So should I disconnect all of them? Should I turn off the internet for the whole for the whole office? Should I unplug all the cords? Like, should I allow them to continue to be on the same switch? But turn, but unplug the internet. Like, how far does this go? I know I'm, I'm, I'm being kind of rhetorical, but you're also being nerdy. <laughs> yes. What's a switch? <laughs> so, I mean, I like. I mean, I agree with you what you guys are saying, obviously. But what if somebody doesn't have IT support? Like, what if they don't have an IT guy? Well, like, I mean, yeah, we should disconnect from the internet, right? Um, but at the same time, like, what if somebody doesn't know who to call? Like, where, who would you recommend they call if they're not working with an IT company? You recommend one of us, I right? Mean. <laughs> but what, what, what do they search on Google? I mean, let's go there. What if they don't even know what to look for on Google? What, what would you recommend that they do? I mean, like remit like a cybersecurity remediation or in cybersecurity into the response. Something with the word cybersecurity in there. Yep. 
So and they're going to be in for a. Uh, I, I would say reach out now. The, we say this all the time, just like if you own a beach house on the coast, you want to find a contractor now because there's going to be hurricanes later. If you live on the Gulf Coast, at least I can't speak for the rest of the country, find a contractor now. So when you do have a hurricane, you already have somebody to make contact with, because if you're listening right now and let's say you wake up tomorrow and your office is breached, um, it is going to be a rude awakening just Googling people and trying to find them because you will find people. You're going to find people that will not talk to you for under a thousand an hour or, or they won't, they'll do like a minimum of a hundred hours or there's a lot of stuff like that. That's out there. You'll have to wade through all this time. Your business is going to be down. So this is something we really need to be thinking about and planning for now. Yeah. And I'm going to just, dovetail off of what you, you the message you were given there and with my answer to this question which is it's really one of those questions that you shouldn't be asking because if my business suffers a cyber attack what are the immediate steps i should take to mitigate the damage well the reality the real answer to that question is you mitigate the damage before a cyber attack mm. right that is you you know andre's probably said this a hundred times this year on this podcast about reducing the blast radius. That's what cyber defenders do. They assess the situation and they put things in place. So if something goes poorly, it's not going to blow up the whole company. Right. And if you want to mitigate damage, you need to do it beforehand because if you're thinking about mitigating damage after the fact, mm -hmm. that blast radius is so big. Mm -hmm. there be there may be nothing else you can do but close up shop and walk away mm -hmm. and that's the reality so that's a that's a great point and i think even just thinking about it literally man like if there was some kind of you know national kind of attack do you want to be prepared or do you want to just be walking around with, with no idea and when when you talk about limiting the blast race radius that's literally what's going to happen. And if you're prepared, it's going to be a blip. I mean, we've all had this where we've had what could have been a huge cyber incident for one company, but it was a company that we were actively protecting that it's a blip. And two hours later, it's over. And you're just, you know, going through all the files to make sure like all the, you know, all the, the, the traffic and all that jazz just to make sure nothing else is there. But it becomes a blip instead of, you know, bringing down the business for, for three weeks or three months or whatever. So great point. Yeah. So moving just, right along, Andre, you got something to say? Yeah. I was going to say, just like if you, you know, got in a car accident, you know that you're calling 911, same thing for cyber. You should already know what, who you're calling and, and, and things like that. All right. So next question we got is what are some essential cybersecurity measures every business regardless of size should implement and this is kind of what i was talking about like you got to think about this stuff beforehand so what are some things that people should have in place um you know we talk about cyber insurance all the time so i think a lot of things we're going to mention here are probably going to be things that you just have to do to maintain cyber insurance so uh my first thing is is you know you got to have multi-factor authentication on everything and i'm taking the easy way out with that one i know guys but at the end of the day Mark. like that's the biggest thing right now with businesses is them understanding that they have to protect 
passwords and stolen passwords some way and multi-factor authentication is the most effective way to do that right now. Um, so every business needs to look at where their critical things are, their email, maybe where they store their files, maybe their line of business applications that they need to run their business, things like EMR systems in healthcare, um, case management systems in, in law firms, um, you know, in your accounting system where, you, where you're doing your clients' uh, accounting and taxes, whatever system that may be. These things should all be protected with multi-factor authentication so they can't be breached by a cyber criminal who has valid passwords. Um, pass it to Andre. What's your... What's your yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with training. You know, uh, you got for it, the past, 100%. past year, we've been doing all of these uh, news articles and it's not because the hackers were so sophisticated and figured out a way to get in. It was just them picking up the phone and saying, hey, click on the start menu and type in, you know, team viewer for me and give me the code or something like that. So um, not only uh, tr training itself where you just, you know, check boxing and saying, hey, we had the annual training, but making this part of the culture, uh, part of the company's culture that um, everybody's aware, especially in whatever line their business, if you're in finance, they should be aware, hey, we're a title company and this is what the, the bad guys are trying to do. They're trying to do wire fraud. They're trying to um, you know, change uh, bank account information and things like that. So whatever that department is, uh, even if it's marketing, hey, marketing, you're, you're, you manage our social media, our Facebook, Instagram, just know that Facebook is never going to you know, ask you for this. Or if you get any suspicious things, this is how they can try to get in. So just make it relay relatable to every single department. Just going one more. The janitor. Hey, if you, you know, this paper that says, you know, confidential or whatever like that, if you see people just putting things in, in the trash, speak <clears> up <throat> and say, you know, this shouldn't be in the trash and it should be uh, shredded or whatever the case is. Yeah, 100%. I'm just going to add on to what you said there for a big thing that I've been thinking about around this stuff, Andre and why security and awareness training and a program where you're building a culture of cybersecurity, as you mentioned, is important. We're, we're seeing a lot of issues around this with companies that fail to do this with what, what's known as shadow IT. And that's when your employees use the tools and things available to them through the internet, on their computer. Um, we ran into this not too long ago where... Um, you know, it was discovered that an employee at a company was using one of those commercial VPN products um, for whatever reason. They were put it, they had it on their computer, um, not the company computer, but his own personal computer and was accessing company resources from that personal computer, which was, you know, triggering all kinds of alarms at our company. And when we, when we looked into it, the person really wasn't in the locations they said they were. They were just using this commercial VPN that moved them around, right? And this person just didn't know he wasn't allowed to do this behavior. He wasn't doing anything malicious. Um, they just didn't realize that they weren't allowed to have something like a Nord VPN running while they were accessing, you know, work resources. Um, and when it, when it happened and it, and they got shut off, they learned. But these are things that if you have a good security and awareness training program in place, you know, can be avoided. Not only the situation, but the fact that, 
you know, the employee didn't know that they couldn't do that kind of thing on, you know, and access company resources when, when those things are, are turned on or in place. So, all right, Randy, which, which yours? All right. So um, y'all already know what I'm going to say. In fact, uh, Andre uh, texted me uh, behind the scenes. He already knows what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it because I call it the unsexiest of all the cybersecurity things. And that is patching. You've got to have patching. It really boils down to this. Like we've been saying it for 40 years, practically, um, or however long it's been since computers have been around. But it really boils down to this, y'all. If you're not patching, you're sitting on top of a ticking time bomb. If you have a website and you're not patching it, it is going to get hacked. I can promise you that. And you may not see it on the front end, but there's going to be like some purse, you know, purse shop running off the back end or something like that. And it's the same with your computers. It's the same with your, your routers, your switches. Everything needs to be updated because they are constantly finding um, vulnerabilities. Some are actively being, um, being manipulated by the criminals. Other vulnerabilities are discovered by the quote unquote good side, you know, the good team. Um, but they're constantly putting out updates to, uh, to remediate for those. And so patching is a huge, huge deal. And like, that's something you should be doing um, no matter what. But yeah, that's, that's, so now that we got all the low hanging fruit out of the way, what are, are we going to well, talk about? Well, well <laughs> I mean, so, uh, you know, kind of what you were saying there with, you know, just, just patching and, and having a process around that in place is, is critical because businesses, a lot of businesses, this is how they're getting hacked right now, right? You think of all yeah. the, you know, this Citrix bleed vulnerability is affecting more people than you would. And, and, and unfortunately for that one, you had to do more than just patch. Like you had to, t you basically had to take the systems down. And we work with companies over the past couple of weeks where they're like, hey, you know, we have the FBI telling us that we're still having a problem and we patch this thing. It's like, well, did wow. you shut the server down and kill all the sessions? Oh, no. Well, it's like, eh, you know, you got to read the whole bulletin and understand what you have to do to mitigate the threat. Um, and it was a big deal. So, you know, it's not an easy thing to implement for sure for businesses, but you're 100% right, Randy. Just do, doing the basic stuff. I mean, that's a more sophisticated type of situation. Um, but just doing the basic stuff is is really important and you got to be able to manage it in some way, shape or form. And I, and I just don't think businesses fully understand how to do that. So um, and then you got to patch your third party stuff, too. So everything needs to be patched. Your Zoom, your Adobe, you know, Creative Cloud, Adobe Reader, um, all that stuff. Office. Edge. Yep. But so going back to the thing, I mean, I know, you know, the website thing. I mean, you know. Why, why would some, why would a cyber criminal, and, I, and I'm tossing up a question we can all answer, but why would a cyber criminal want to hack my company, my little company's WordPress website? Well, the easiest answer to that is your website has trust in the internet world, right? It's existed maybe for 10 years, maybe for five years, maybe for seven years. And it's been a good little website. It's always had its security certificate. You know, you put content out, you know, and, and Google analyzes that and, and looks at your website probably three, four, five times a month. 
Um, and they, you know, say, hey, this is a good website. We're going to allow it to be indexed and, and things like that. And it's going to appear in the search results. And you've built trust and a good name with your domain and your reputation. And then hackers come along and hack your website and start distributing malware on a, some page that they set up that you don't know exists. And they use your good name and your good trust to spread this malware throughout the Internet. Um, and people don't think this is something that could happen to them. And I can tell you it's more than likely going to happen to you if you don't pay attention to what's going on with your website. And the, the other bad thing about it is, Brian, that once once it gets hacked, Google is very anti-hacked websites. hundred percent. Once it gets hacked, it, you know, in layman's terms, puts a very bad taste in Google's mouth about your website. And I've seen sites that were that were hacked, that were later unhacked, just almost like never returned. Do you know what I mean? From uh, from that, um, I saw one, one, one side of pretty large business in our area. We helped them with it. Um, took quite a while to get over that. I'm talking like years. Um, it wasn't just an instant comeback. So um, that's one of those things that it can affect you in a lot more ways than you realize. And you can't just go to your website. I know this isn't a website show, but you can't just go to your website and go, oh, it looks fine. They actually have like code in there sometimes. If you're logged in and they know who you are, they show you the regular website. But if you're like some rando looking for your business, they show you the hacked purse site or something like that. So anyway, something to keep in mind. Sure. So thanks, Randy. So we'll move right along to the next one on the list. As a small business owner, we're... Most, what are the most common cyber threats I should be aware of? I'm going to bounce to you first, Randy, since you haven't gone first yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I got to say on this one, um, email. I'm going to say email, 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 email. And, you know, we talked about patching. Patching matters. But how do they get that first little foothold? They, they Sometimes they'll be searching the Internet and they can just hit you from the Internet. Okay, that can happen. But... Most likely, I would say mid 90%, they're going to get into your network. Their first, their first little foot into your network is going to be email. And so that that's a huge threat that businesses need to be aware of because as a business owner, that means your entire business is at risk. And so, yes, it's a pain in the butt that you have the little tag on the top of your email that says you've never received email from this person. Okay, it's annoying, y'all, but it doesn't take any time to read past it and to um, move on. But if you were to get a bad email that ended up bringing down your business, that's a lot more pain in the butt. So I would just say with a huge uh, all caps, bold exclamation marks, email is a huge threat. We can't really stop doing email either. So we need to work how to secure it and then minimize the, the blast radius. That, that'd be my, uh, my big answer. Andre? Passwords, reusing passwords. Every week when we've done this show this year, we've, we've talked about where PII, personal identifiable information, is released to the wild. And all the time we say social security, email addresses, passwords, and we know that Unfortunately, nine out of the 10 times, I believe the, the um, statistic is, is that people are reusing their passwords for different sites. So the medical group that you uh, store all your personal information, 
that site was compromised, that password, now the bad guys have it. And because you're using that same password for your Microsoft 365 or other you know, type of websites, this is a way that they can get in. So um, having a password manager is, is one way to resolve that and also not reusing the same password on um, all of these sites is another way, but uh, you should be aware that you should not be re reusing your passwords. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I don't know. I'm having a tough time because you guys stole my two and I don't like going last now, so I'm gonna go first <laughs> forward. Um, I mean, the most common cyber threat you should be aware of outside of what you guys mentioned is business email compromise, right? And, it, and it's cyber criminals getting into your email and the various things that they do once they get into your email. We call these, you know, sometimes drive-by hackers are getting to be known as, right? These are the guys that just pop into your email, learn some things about you, and then try to attack maybe a bigger customer or bigger vendor that you work with. Um, they're not really looking to target you. They're looking to target the people that you work with. And that's a thing that a lot of small businesses need to be aware of. I mean, you might be small, but you might be working with bigger targets, or you might have a lot of little customers, maybe you're a little jewelry store, but you have, you know, 100 or 200 high net worth individuals that frequent your store often. These, these are things a lot of times that people don't think outside the box as to how a driven cyber criminal can make money off of you and essentially extort you. Um, so I just see small businesses being taken a lot of different ways through business email compromise. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, you could have money stolen because somebody has access to your email because they misdirect funds and they have the information inside your email. You could have personal, we just saw it the other day. Um, company um, was um, a, a medical company. They just were sanctioned and, and fined because one employee had personal health records in their inbox and that email was compromised. Mm -hmm. um, and because those personal health records were sitting in the inbox and that company had no process for dealing with that information and it was just sitting in there and they got access to it. This Now this medical uh, doctor's office has been penalized uh, by Health and Human Services as a result of what they did. Um, there's no there's no reason why PHI should remain in somebody's inbox. Somebody can send you something, right? But you need to delete it. You need to get it out of there. If it's not supposed to be in there, if it's not secure, you need to take it out of there. And businesses can also be the, the reason that malware spreads throughout the internet because a cyber criminal decides to get in your email and they don't really see anything that they can make money off of, but maybe they can send a spam or phishing email to one of your contacts, make it look like it comes from you because it is coming from your account at the end of the day. So people are gonna do the things that they're trained to do. They're gonna look at, oh yeah, look, it's that person's email that looks legit to me. And everything kind of adds up. So if they don't you know, think twice and go, well, maybe they got hacked and maybe I shouldn't click on this or maybe I should contact them before I do anything with this email to see if they really sent this to me. And sometimes those things don't happen and people click on those emails and then the, the scam spreads. Maybe the cyber criminal gets access to that person's email and they go further up the chain. 
This is how persistent cyber criminals are today. Or maybe they're spreading malware with these links. So when they click on it, now that company is infected with malware and could potentially end up getting ransomware. So that's my thing. You need to be aware of this small business email compromise because you're more likely to get hit with this than, than ransomware. Yeah, and people don't realize, you, you, you said they're persistent. I mean, this is their job. And like they get their raises, they get their money, they get their accolades over being better and better and better at this. And so they're extremely persistent because every little thing Every little rabbit hole they can go up and nab another person, nab another company or whatever. It's just more money for them in the long run. So, yeah, they are extremely persistent. All right. Here goes uh, another one. How do various cybersecurity laws and regulations affect my business and how can I ensure compliance? A little, little technical on this one. Who wants to go first? What laws? What regulations? <laughs> Well, a bunch of them went into effect this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've always, I'll go first so I don't have to go last. Um, we, we've, we've obviously heard with the Fortune 100 company, um, Fortune, the public company, excuse me, with the um, SEC regulation, where if there is a breach, there's a certain amount of time that they have to now release this, I believe, to the K1 document or K8 document. Or 8K, is it? Sorry. What? No, it's okay. But uh, but basically, there's regulations for the bigger companies, the public companies. There's regulation for the financial service companies. There's now even with the FTC safeguard rules regulation there. So the biggest thing um, that I would say when it comes to how to make sure that you're compliant is that you hire a uh, professional like one of us on the show that has uh, been there, done that, and can now compare what you're supposed to do with the compliance, you know, they, there's a long list that they want you to do, and then they help you with that process because it's not just a matter of just saying, you know, okay, we got MFA or we got this and, and now we're set. This is an ongoing um, matter that you have to make sure that your, your business is staying on top of. Uh, somebody on Facebook saying they can't hear us. I don't know. Oh. Accurate. We can hear ourselves. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know what's going on, but... Somebody on Facebook is saying they can't hear us. I don't know if somebody can look into that. Yeah, sure. I'll try. Thanks, Andre. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that, I don't know if that's accurate, but check it out for us. Um, Randy, thoughts or do you want me to go? Um, I have, I have some thoughts here because you're, you're as a, so we're, we're assuming that we have some business, both business owners, CEOs, C-level people that are on right now that are on this on this uh, podcast watching. So first off, I'd say first and foremost is you have to take responsibility to figure out what regulation you fall under. You know, you can't just say, oh, well, my IT guy told me this or, you know, my buddy who's also a blah, blah, blah told me that. Um, you really got to find out. You need to go to your, you know, your CPA. You need to go to your IT provider. You you really need to know what you're covered by. Andre mentioned the FTC safeguards rule, which did go into effect. Well, like the the kind of the a big chunk of it went into effect this summer. I think parts of the law go back like a decade or something like that. But a lot of it went into effect this summer that added in a whole new wide swath of businesses um, like CPAs, 
real estate brokers, mortgage brokers, payroll processor. Uh, I mean, the list, not payroll processors, but pay, payroll, uh, paycheck cashing services, car dealerships, like the list goes on and on that are getting dragged into or called into this for accountability purposes. So I would say you really need to get to do your homework as a business leader and you really need to know and then you need to make sure that you get it implemented. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, good points there, my friend. And what I'm going to say about cybersecurity laws and regulations and how they're going to affect your business and how you can ensure compliance, it's pretty simple. Cybersecurity laws and regulations are only going to increase this year. The government has been given the green light to use different uh, authorities that oversee different sectors of the economy to make sure that businesses are doing this stuff. And CMMC was just went into effect today. It was published today. So it means CMMC is now the law of the land. So every defense contractor and every person and every business that touches anything with the Department of Defense now has to have a cybersecurity program in place or they cannot bid on federal government contracts that come through the DOD. And this is not going to stop at the DOD. It's going to be all right. facets of government. So you're going to have to follow these regulations if you want to do the business with the federal government. Any MSP, any IT company that does business with these uh, entities, these DOD entities that fall under CMMC, they must also be CMMC audited and certified in order to continue to do business with their clients. They don't even have to have a federal contract. So all of this stuff is bleeding down to all businesses. So if there's a business owner, or business leader who is waking up every day thinking that they don't have regulations around cybersecurity, call my office and I guarantee you within a couple hours of discussing things with your business leaders, I'll be able to figure out what laws and compliances that you need to follow. Um, construction companies all the time, they don't think that they need to follow anything. Well, you have blueprints and, and prints for probably uh, facilities that are in the critical infrastructure of this country. And if you have blueprints and prints of things like hospitals and stuff like that, you have regulation. Because if somebody gets hands their hands on the blueprints of hospitals and facilities that are your customers, and, and, it, and it's found out that it came from your network, you're going to be in a lot of trouble and you're going to have to answer the FBI when that comes down. And if you don't think I'm kidding, just Google it. There's plenty of instances where you can read the FBI showed up at businesses' offices saying, what are you doing for cybersecurity? Because we found your data on some cyber criminal server somewhere that we're about to take down. Happens all the time in this country. Um, how you can ensure compliance, you need to start working with a cybersecurity company who understands this stuff and understands compliance. And not just an IT company, it's gonna throw tools on your, on your environment. They're actually talking to you the same way that I'm talking on this podcast right now. They understand that your business might not be directly under a regulator, but your business touches other companies or other entities that are. So in it, it, you're de facto part of that because you have a contract with those entities and you have to do it. That contract you sign probably has language that says you follow those things and you just don't understand that it's in there. 
that's what I mean. If you give me two hours to go through your stuff, I'll figure out what, what regulations you have. State and federal governments are all over this stuff. And the biggest thing, going back to what Andre said, they want to know quickly when it happens. And there's only one way to be able to do that quickly and is to already have a program in place that can alert you and, and can detect when bad things happen and alert you so you can respond in the time frame you need to respond. Four days is not a lot of time when it comes to SEC regulations, right? If you don't, once you become aware of that breach, if you don't have a way of, of getting that 8K filed in four days, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So the government's turned up the heat on this stuff big time. So, all right, guys, anything else? We're good there? All right. Probably, our, probably one of our last topics. We're getting to the end here um, before we have to go. How much of my budget should I allocate to cybersecurity and how do I justify this expense to stakeholders? So this must have come from an IT director or IT person at a company. Um, thoughts here? Who wants to go first? Me, Andre, Randy, go first. Well, I'll talk about how to justify it, but go ahead. Go someone, ahead. If someone wants to talk about what the budget should be. Man, I'll just throw out the number that's... Uh constantly mentioned it's one one to three percent of gross rev um, on top of your normal IT spend ought to be spent on cybersecurity. And how do you justify that to the stakeholders? Because everything that the stakeholders have is at risk. And, and it's it's like how do you justify to stakeholders that you're going to have liability insurance? You know, there's a lot of things that a business has to have um, that protect the business. And the way you justify it is tell them, hey, the business is at stake. Um, if you're if you don't have any regulations at all, which there's a high probability you do, if you don't have any at all, at the very minimum, the business is at stake and we need to do something about it. That's my two cents. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All this state talk is getting me hungry, uh, Randy. Oh, man, me too. <laughs> All right. Um, one thing I would say about how to justify the expense, it, um, this is, you know, with cybersecurity, you know, we always said things have changed. Um, the threats are going different ways. They're, they're attacking different ways. So, you know, again, it's not just about tools. But if one day we are always used to the endpoint or we're always used to the firewall and making sure that the office is um, now secure, but now they're attacking a different way. So now we have to put more measures in place and more eyes this way. So it, it's it's really like a, a, a war in the sense that they're trying to attack all different ways. And tomorrow there, be, there may be something that none of us ever thought of. And we're like, oh crap. Okay, now we got to go and figure out a way to make sure that this hole is plugged. So, um, so that's how I justify it to our clients when we're, you know, increasing our prices or whatever. We're saying, hey, look, last year, this is how they were doing things. But now we have to also monitor all of these other items, too, in your, in your um, business. Yep. And uh, I am going to say, you know, it's always a risk conversation, right? And businesses have to understand, you know, that the expense is going to be way less than what they're going to have to deal with on the other side. 
Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's not just, we're saying this to sell you something. It's there. We have enough data now to prove this the cost of a data breach for 2023 report just came out. You know, cost of data breaches have gone up again. Um, mm -hmm. This stuff isn't getting any cheaper to deal with. And unfortunately, it's probably it's probably 20% of what you're really going to spend if you have to deal with an event. If you and and you can't predict how long you're going to be down, how long you're not going to be able to conduct business, how long you're going to have to pay employees while you're dealing with the situation. Um, you know, employees still need to you can't just, hey, we had a cyber attack. Don't come to work and we're not going to pay you. That's not how it works. People are going to show up. They're not going to be able to log into their computer and they're just going to sit there and twiddle their thumbs. Maybe you'll have a backup plan to use paper and pencil until you get through it. But you know you're not going to be as, as productive as you are if you had technology up and running. Um, so <clears throat> there's no real specific answer I can give you. This is why like a CTO or a technology person gets paid what they're worth because they're able to look at the business identify risks and say, if we don't take care of this, this is how much we can lose in the business, right? And that's when a CFO and a CEO are going to are gonna take notice and understand that it's not just, you know, a new technology or new toy that the IT director or CTO is asking for, right? And that's, otherwise, if you don't give them the context that I just, how I just laid it out, that's what they're going to think. They're going to think that you're just trying to get something for your department so you can play with a new toy so you can maybe get a new skill. They don't understand why the business needs this and you have to explain it to them. And it goes back to the last question about regulations and laws. There might be laws and regulations that they're breaking if they don't do these things, which could mean they end up in jail or severely fined. Uh, at a minimum, they're going to lose their job over it. Um, so these are all the things that you can bring at a personal level to these individuals um, if they're just focused on maybe the balance sheet, right? And that's kind of, you know, some high-level things that you can do to try to get business leaders who aren't in IT to understand that we do need to spend more money and, and you know, the expense is justified. All right, guys, rolling right along. This will be the last one based on time. How often should a business conduct cybersecurity audits and, and what should they include? Um, just, I guess I'll say quickly, if you don't know what, what a cybersecurity audit or assessment is, <clears throat> it's when a company comes in and runs, you know, tools and conducts questionnaires and asks questions about your business process. Hopefully, um, they're reviewing your business processes from, from a cybersecurity and IT standpoint. But it's a full assessment on what you're doing in your business, um, which a lot of people, you know, we do these a lot. And what I see out there is two types of businesses, businesses that understand that they have to open everything up to these cybersecurity professionals, these IT people um, and businesses that think that they can just hire a company and not share all this information and not be open and not be forthcoming because they don't understand why. Right. And uh, audit, you need to have access to a lot of information. And in assessment, you need to have access to a lot of information, a lot of people. And people need to be forthright and honest with you d during these 
uh, events because garbage in is garbage out. If people aren't telling you the right information, you're going to eventually give a readout or a report to senior management that isn't, <clears throat> isn't accurate because you didn't get good information, right? And this can happen with tools too, in my opinion. Um, but really where I see audits go wrong for businesses is that the business is doing it as a box checking exercise and they're not taking it as seriously as they should, which is the first step in you mitigating your risk, which was one of the questions that we had earlier. Like, how do I mitigate my risk? Well, it's in my mind, it starts with a risk assessment. You got to know where you are to know where you need to go. Right. And that's what a risk assessment does for you in my, in my eyes. So you guys take it from there. Um, what do you think about risk assessments? How long should, how often do, should they be done? Do you have an opinion on that? Cause I have a pretty strong one. So. <laughs> um, I would, I would say uh, it also depends on the compliance um, requirement. Right. Right. Um, so I'd say minimum of once a year um, and, you know, probably quarterly um, and, you know, for some requirements, I, I know I don't know if it's been nailed down for FTC safeguards rule, um, but I have heard people discuss that they should just literally be ongoing. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're over 200 employees, you, it has to be ongoing, in my opinion. Right. I've worked with enough companies to, to say that, like, the amount of time it takes through to get a company of that size, it becomes ongoing at that point. Andre, thoughts on this? I agree. No, I agree with everything um, as far as what they should be looking for. Uh, it should be obviously data security, network security, application security, um, your supply chain users. So it, it's basically looking at every, because, you know, you're going to have your IT guy. You're going to have the, the everyday level one person that's doing the help desk. And maybe they're working on something and they uncheck something, you know, they have to turn off two form factor for a user just to reset the account and now they forgot but who's now checking quarterly to do that audit or or looking at the logs to see if anything that is um anything that was changed from the last time so i i agree with that it just depends on the type of business and their regulations but at minimum once a year should be done and then from there you will put tools to make sure it alerts you in the event that you know, something crucial changes, but then once a year, you're, you're physically looking and you're going step by step and making sure everything is good. Randy, any more thoughts on this? Um, no, no, I was, uh, uh, the only thing, the only thing I'll add to this is your hard opinion that you mentioned. Yeah. The only thing I'll add to this is, you know, what, what it should also include is, it should be a full evaluation, and that's what I was saying earlier. It should be a full evaluation of the business, not just some scans that somebody runs. And what I see a lot of what's being peddled out there by different IT companies is a uh, cybersecurity audit where they only evaluate things from the outside, meaning they ask you what your IP address or somehow they figure oh, find yeah. out what your IP address yeah. is. And they run a scan on that IP address. Yeah. And I've sat down with companies where they said, oh, we had an audit done. And they said, we're good. And I'm like, can I see that? And I get it. And that's what it is. It's an external vulnerability scan. Well, that 
number one, it's malpractice if there's a company coming to you saying we we did this risk assessment and now you're good, right? It's that's only one piece of a full right. uh, assessment, right? And it's kind of in my mind, it's like a very small piece. Most people don't have externally facing risks because they don't open ports up on their firewall. Like their businesses aren't that sophisticated. And if they do, maybe they're maybe they know that they got to protect those things well. Um, I would say the businesses that kind of sleep on the fact that you know certain ports like three three eight nine shouldn't be open, those companies I, I I think are just there's not as many of those anymore as you know there used to be back in the day. Um, you know the bigger threat is you know not patching things that are exposed to the internet quick enough and then having to deal with that problem, right? Um, but at the end of the day, a cybersecurity audit should look at things like business processes, your policies and procedures. Stakeholders should be asked questions about what they are doing in their business, how they're, how they're doing things in terms of incident response plans, tabletop exercises, are you doing them, and what was the result of those things. These are all things that will tell you the maturity of a business and where they're at with cybersecurity. And these are the things, and, and this is why you need to be doing these things regularly, because these things will keep you in check to make sure that you're doing the things that we see businesses typically not wanting to do, like tabletops and, and incident response plan exercises, business continuity plan exercises. I mean, it's like asking people to go to the gym to get them into a room to do these things when you're dealing with most business leaders. Um, but they're critical to reducing the blast radius, and they're critical to making sure that your business can make it through a cyber event. Any other thoughts there, guys? All good? I had a, I had a couple just um, going, going back to the, um, the risk assessment. You know, you mentioned scanning of an IP address. Yeah. And like, okay, so my thoughts are in 2005, okay, that was probably an extremely worthwhile part of a risk assessment because and in 2005, everybody was behind a brick and mortar, you know, uh, building basically hardly anybody was working online, but these days, even in companies that are a hundred percent brick and mortar, you, you, it's almost, it's, I, you almost never run into companies that are literally hundred percent brick and mortar. You've got employees that are out in the field, You've got employees that travel. You still have employees that work from home or work from home part of the time. So anyway, yeah, I think that's a there when, when they do a scan like that, they're usually um, just trying to uh, it's some sort of a sales tactic, you know, whether that's to get you to sell something or not get you to buy a competitor or who knows what. So, yeah. All right, cool. So that's about it for the show today. One of us has got to run to a meeting, so we're going to wrap it up here real quick. We'll see everybody in the new year. Please remember to keep sharing our show. Lots of uh, lots of views today, lots of interactions. Sorry to those who drop comments and questions. We're going to add you to our queue for future shows like this. Um, but if you like the format of this show, we'd love to hear your comments uh, on social media or wherever you're listening to this. Uh, on your podcast platform. If you like the Q&A type of session and all the different questions we asked and all the different things we got into, uh, we'd be more than happy to continue this format if the uh, if the fans <clears throat> want that. So 
have a great holiday season, everybody. Security of Squawk will be back in early 2024. Stay safe out there. Take care, everyone. Happy New